0: and we're back with another episode of unplugged i'm your host jacob puckett and this week or this month i should say we are here with mike hire director of engineering and mike is going to talk to us about a whole bunch of things today we're going to we're going to talk about the elephant in the room with texas and kind of what's went on there with the extreme cold and the polar vortex and we're also going to talk about locally some projects we're working on here for transmission and reliability and how we're making tomorrow's electric grid happen Just know there's a lot of interest about Texas, what happened there, especially with that cold spell, uh, the rolling blackouts, and I guess the science behind that and kind of what goes into it. So, Mike, do you want to dive in and just kind of explain the Texas situation from an engineering standpoint?
1: You know, there's, there's a lot of details that will probably come out later. Uh, but from what we know now, I think some of it just came from the initial design. You know, in that area of the country, they were not prepared for this kind of weather. Uh, typically in the Texas area, you know, that they, they didn't design for the ice and the extreme cold temperatures they did experience. So when they did experience those conditions, they had extreme problems with their infrastructure. Uh, you know, I think they had a power supply issue as well. They had, uh, uh, from what I understand, they had some issues with their natural gas, getting natural gas to the power plants as well as some of their uh, wind turbines actually freezing up, so uh, so I think some of it was from the design perspective, and I think some of it was from uh, a power supply issue. And
0: talking about the power supply issue, you know, I think we've heard a lot in the news the last couple of weeks, really about that. Texas is kind of unique in a certain way. They're not like, a lot of people will ask, you see on news articles, well, can this happen in North Carolina? And and I guess to a degree it it could, maybe it couldn't, but we do have the ability to tap into energy from other
1: states, right? That's correct. I think uh, uh, Texas is the one state who kind of is kind of a standalone type thing. Uh, In North Carolina, we have ties to Tennessee, to South Carolina, Georgia, to um, uh, to Virginia. So there are ties to other states where we can pull power resources from. You know, you know there, This condition could potentially happen under extreme events. It would be more localized than it would be as widespread as it is in the state of Texas.
0: And the rolling blackouts thing, I think that's really interesting because when I think of rolling blackouts, obviously a lot of times I think of summer. When you hear about blackouts, you think about hot weather. I don't know why that is, but it just seems like they're more common under those conditions. I guess it just seems like uh, extreme heat's more common these days and extreme cold. So what's the idea behind the rolling blackouts? You know, what's the purpose and what's the idea of getting everybody back on when you're doing the rolling blackout system?
1: Rolling blackouts occur when there's a lack of generation. So if, if, if you imagine there's 100 megawatts of power need and there's only 50 megawatts of generators available, if you try to put that together, you're going to shut the generator all altogether. So what they do is they put a portion of the power on so the generators can keep running. So they'd kind of alternate, you know, an hour or two on, an hour or two off kind of rolling. So that way, the, the, uh, that's, how, that's how that works. So that must be why a lot of people would have periods where they were maybe
0: on for three or four hours and they were off for three or four hours, then back on for three or four hours at a time, right?
1: That's right. That's right. And that's how that works. And that's, that's to keep from total failure of the whole system. They just keep the generation running that they have available. They keep it running um, and, and only serve the amount of load they can serve. That's a really interesting concept because, you know,
0: you don't think about using blackouts. You don't think about using power outages as a way to solve the problem. But sometimes that's useful in that way because, you know, we're always thinking about getting the power back on and getting on as quickly as possible. But in their situation, some areas had to, you know,
1: experience those rolling blackouts in order to get everybody back on at the same time eventually. And also, uh, Blue Ridge also has a plan for um, load curtailment in a situation where there was a generation deficiency in the state and there was a need. So, we have like in 5% increments, if we did have to do that, we have a plan ready to go if needed.
0: When we talk about the weather they had in Texas, I mean, the the temperatures we were seeing in Texas, you know, I, I can't be quoted on this, but I know there were some Single digits and below zero temperatures during that, and obviously for areas that are probably more um, used to seventies and eighties even in the winter. Can you kind of explain just how much of a shock that is on the electric system, and really what the demand is like? I mean, I don't think people understand sometimes the connection between the weather and demand, but really what that does in driving up the demand and making. Everything else work harder in those situations, especially if they weren't equipped to deal with
1: that yeah well that's that's an interesting question because you know electric load is proportional to temperature, so you know the colder it is, the more load you have. But what happens at extreme levels is you is you end up more of an exponential type, so you 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 actually increase load much faster than the temperature as it drops just degree by degree. I think mainly because people's uh, uh, heat strips come on on their um, heat pumps and they're running all the time. So there's no diversity in coming on and off. They're running all the time. Then on top of that, people are plugging in space heaters and other things that add to the load.
0: You know, I think it's something we talked about in the last podcast episode um, where we talked about energy efficiency and and putting the connection together with, you know, a lot of times – If it's 30 degrees outside, it's a lot harder to keep your house at 65 or 70 degrees than it is if it's 55 degrees outside. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, just having that sheer amount of demand, really, you could see that impact happening in Texas at a local level and how that expanded even into their statewide utilities and and generation and transmission. But I I was going to segue that now. And, you know, we've already talked about whether or not it could happen here. But so how do you, as an engineer, when you're thinking of these things and you see this stuff going on in Texas... What do you think about as an engineer when you're designing uh, the power grid and the structure here and building it? What do we do to prevent things like that from happening or maybe make
1: our grid more resilient here locally? Well, the one thing we can't control is the power supply from from the generator, since we do not do the generation. So so we do work with our generators, uh, uh, our power suppliers, and make sure they have uh, enough Excess capacity for situations like this, but within the Blue Ridge system, you know we have to design substations, line, transmission lines, power lines. We have to we have to design those for extreme conditions. Uh, we we definitely look at worst case scenarios. We look at uh, situations to where we have heavy heavy load and we lose a, a certain line. Can the other lines pick up the load? So we we look at contingency analysis as well as just a regular operating condition, even under extreme conditions.
0: So, Mike, I know locally we're doing some big transmission projects up in the mountains. People may even see us building those lines and pulling that across Watauga County and Ashe County over the last year or two. What's been going on up there? What are you guys doing? I know you've been a busy man the last several months and years, so tell us what the project's like up there.
1: Okay. This is, this is a good segue into what, uh, what we've been talking about uh, in Texas. You know, this is a, a transmission line that we've been working on. This is a transmission line from Ashe County into Watauga County to help feed the Boone area. So we are actually building a transmission line total length about 17 miles of 230 KV or 230,000 230, volt uh, transmission lines and a substation in the Rutherwood community. Uh, the total cost of the project about $40 million. And that's that's a lot of money, but you know when you think about preparing for these extreme weather events like we have to plan for, this is this is something right here on our system that we've seen as an area where it would be a weak link, and we're building that right now. Uh, we began in 2000, and we actually began planning back in about 2000. Uh, the, the project actually started in 2017, and it should be complete by the end of the year in 2023, and it will add capacity. To help serve mainly the Watauga area, but also provide backup power like we had talked about for the other uh, mountain districts. You know, something that I'm
0: definitely not um, envious of for engineers or even our line technicians or anybody on the operation side of things at Blue Ridge is the terrain the ruggedness, you know, just how crazy it is, our area, the fact, I mean, you go up from Caldwell County to just to Watauga, I mean, you might have an elevation climb of up to three, four, or even 5,000 feet in some cases. Mm -hmm. How do you plan for those sort of things? I mean, what kind of planning and logistics and I guess mapping, has to go into that? I mean, there has to be crazy coordination that goes on uh, just to figure that out and figure out where you're going to put the line. So how do you, how do you make those decisions?
1: We we do get some assistance from surveyors and from consulting engineers on some of these really difficult locations, and they actually do, they use LIDAR, Uh, they use, that's a kind of surveying they can do from an airplane and actually survey out the land for us, and so they have programs that actually optimize location of poles and, and actually help design the line the most efficient way and economic way that can be designed.
0: So technology really does help us out in a lot of different ways. So I'm guessing when you're explaining that there's somebody flying over and it's mapping the earth under it and it tells you okay well I mean the slope there would be best for a pole there but the mountainside next to it maybe not. So that kind of I'm
1: kind of understanding how that works. That's right. That's exactly right. And that 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 takes pictures and it take it gets a I don't know what it is. It's like a million points per a uh, hundred feet or something like that. It, it takes it takes a lot of points to get elevations of the land, the vegetation, uh, any other things, uh, rivers, houses. It, it catches all that in the aerial.
0: And we talked specifically about Blue Ridge and our plans to, you know, upgrade certain transmission areas and and upgrade certain lines. But do you think in general, a lot of work is, remains to be done around the entire utility sector of the United States? I mean, I know you hear a lot about infrastructure being dated and things like that. Do you find that's common in the electric industry? Do you think that's something that's really being worked on right
1: now to get ahead of that? I think that's a big push, and you've probably heard somewhere people talk about grid hardening, and that's kind of what that is. Uh, We have uh, everyone has locations on their system. It's not along the main roads. You're talking about way back in the woods, uh, lines that have been there for years and years. And there's lines on in the utility grid that are over 100 years old. I mean, we've we've gotten that far, and the Blue Ridge system uh, most. large percentage of our system was constructed in the forties fifties and sixties. So, so we actually have lines that have been out there 50, 60 and 70 years old. And so now we're in, we're actually in a grid hardening mode to where we're putting focus to go ahead and start replacing some of that old infrastructure. And when we
0: talk about replacing some of that infrastructure, I know technology grows and obviously there's been a big, big gap, um, technologically in life in general from the 50s and 60s to now. So when you say you're replacing lines and you're replacing transmission, what exactly is the technology or, I guess, the materials that we're replacing? Because there is a difference in the materials and the lines that were made back then, obviously, and now. But for someone who may look up at, you know, the power lines today and think, I don't see a difference, you know, what's inside
1: those power lines? You know, what's the difference overall? The lines back then were mainly constructed out of copper. And today we we use more aluminum wire. That's that's our standard right now. We do it has a steel core for strength, but actually is uh, uses aluminum to transport the electricity. So that's one big difference. Uh, the the poles that were installed back then uh, were were much smaller and not capable, not as capable of weathering storms. Today we're putting larger poles in, whether it be taller or uh, larger diameter to actually withstand more of these conditions. And and uh, we, we still, even with the old stuff, we're actually still doing a maintenance program. We're out there treating poles and repairing woodpecker damage and, and, and wood rot. We're taking care of those things. So we're on a constant maintenance, even if they're old ones, to keep them in service. One thing that we are doing as well um, in this construction work plan that we're doing right now is actually focusing on the eastern escarpment. That's an area of our system that seems to get hit more often with ice. Uh, so, so we're actually putting an effort to change, uh, to replace the old conductor and old poles in those areas. That's awesome, Mike. And Mike, I really want to say we appreciate
0: you coming on the podcast today and taking time to talk about a little bit of everything. I think we covered a little bit of Texas and the energy grid as a whole in the United States and specifically what's happening in some of the backyards for these people uh, who are listening to this podcast on Blue Ridge System. So Mike, thank you for joining us and we'll be back next month with another episode of Unplugged. Thank you for listening. You can always hit the subscribe button. We're on pretty much any podcasting app at this point. So if you just hit the subscribe button. We'll be right there. And that way the episodes come straight to your mobile device or iPad, whatever you're using, and you don't have to look for the episodes anymore. Uh, So stay tuned for next month. And until next time, I'm your host, Jacob Puckett.